On Sunday evening, February 10, at 6 p.m., there will be a baptism service here for people part of the Mahabit Church community. I will be present, but those leading the baptism will be those leaders, including Parvin, that God is rising up to lead and shepherd this flock into maturity in Christ. Would you join me in a prayer? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, it is not we who makes you worthy to be worshipped. You have been declared worthy to be worshipped through many, many ways. But through your sacrifice and resurrection and ascension, the Father has exalted you to the highest place and given you, Lord Jesus, a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. You, Lord Jesus, have been anointed as the Messiah, the Christ, and have the authority to pour out your Spirit upon your people again and again that we might be raised up to live dead to sin, to live free from the evil schemes of the evil one, to say no to the mindset of the world opposed to you and walk in the way of the cross. Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome your full gospel in our midst, not just this morning, but over these next weeks as we eat and dig deeply into the gospel of Luke and Acts. Oh Lord Jesus, we welcome you here. In you all things hold together. For the praise of your glory I pray, amen. Last week we began a series from the gospel of Luke and Acts a journey through which the Holy Spirit will enable us to witness together the continued ministry of Jesus, to experience delight in his ministry, to desire and welcome this ministry in our personal lives, in this church and others and in communities where he has placed us. And also that the Holy Spirit will enable us and empower us to participate in this continued ministry of Jesus under, in, and through his authority. I am filled with anticipation, with expectancy for what God will do in our lives as we consider this continued ministry of Jesus. His ministry in our lives today has the capacity to completely renovate our hearts and minds, to revive and deepen our relationships, to fill His one church with joy, and to transform our communities, including the Lamoureux community, with love, truth, justice, purity, peace, mercy, goodness, and righteousness that brings us to Jesus. 
what is this continued ministry of Jesus that Luke talks about? John the Baptist announces this ministry of Jesus to us in Luke chapter 3. Last week, we began to look at Luke 3 as we saw that even as heralds announce the coming of a king, so John the Baptist announces the coming of the long-awaited Messiah, Christ the King, the Anointed One. Earlier in the Gospel of Luke, angels have already heralded the coming of this king to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. The angel Gabriel announced, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth, speaking of John the Baptist, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will bring many back he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. To Mary, the mother of Jesus, the angel Gabriel said, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. To shepherds, the angels announced, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. Last week, we witnessed, we learned how John the Baptist responds to the call of God to prepare people for the coming of the Messiah. We read that John the Baptist went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. We saw how John called the people, the crowds, Jews and Gentiles, tax collectors, even Roman soldiers to repent and be baptized. Many did. If you were not here last week, do listen to the message by going to our website so you don't miss the riches of the good news that was brought. This week, we now hear with anticipation how John the Baptist announces the coming ministry of Jesus would you join me as I read with you Luke 1, 3, 1 through 14 for background, and then 3, 15 through 22, which will be our focus this morning. You can also look in a pew Bible if you have one before you on page 833. Listen and follow along. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, the brother of Philip, tetrarch of uh, Ituria and Trachonitus, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book 
of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people, all people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God will raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What then shall we do? The crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this evil thing to them all. He locked John up in prison. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Thanks be to God for his word in Christ. The words of John the Baptist in Luke 3, 7 through 14, awaken a question in the hearts of the crowds gathered around John. Could this be the Messiah? Could John the Baptist be the long-awaited one that the prophet Isaiah and other prophets promised? Isaiah had said of this one to come, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. Could John the Baptist be the one? John's response to this quietly spoken question of the people 
has the capacity to lead us today to anticipate the continued ministry of Jesus in at least two life-changing ways that I want to unfold for you from this passage now. The first way that John's response has the capacity to lead us to anticipate the continued ministry of Jesus is by looking at how in John the continued ministry of Jesus causes deepening, lasting, fullness of joy in Jesus. When asked if he was the Messiah, John answers them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. What led John to say such words? Some suggest it was humility in John, as if it were some quality in John that we should exalt. But this misses completely one of the main points repeated in the Gospel of Luke, which we have already heard. The good news of Jesus brings great joy. The good news of Jesus causes great joy. John's response to Jesus was because of his great joy in Jesus. John experienced this joy in Jesus when he was still in the womb of his mother Elizabeth. When Mary, the virgin mother of Jesus, comes to visit her cousin Elizabeth while pregnant with Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit, we read, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. John knew this joy in Jesus while still in the womb of his mother. Jesus promises repeatedly that he came to bring people joy, joy to completion, joy that will last, joy in its fullness. To his disciples, Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. In his prayer to his father in John 17, before his death and resurrection, Jesus prays, I am coming to you now, Father, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. The Holy Spirit fills us with joy in Jesus. John the Baptist knew this joy. He knew this joy even after Herod put him in prison, as we see happens in this passage. Nothing could rob him of this joy in Jesus. In the Gospel of John, 
we see the joy of John the Baptist even more clearly. The disciples of John the Baptist come to Jesus somewhat concerned about how everyone is starting to follow Jesus rather than John the Baptist. To this, John the Baptist calmly replies, the person can only receive what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He, that is Jesus, must become greater, and I must become less. The continued ministry of Jesus that we will witness throughout Luke and Acts is one that causes joy, lasting joy, growing joy as we hear his voice, are changed by his spirit, and follow him in the way of the cross. Some of you are familiar with studies that have come out looking at trends among Canadian youth with a special focus on youth that have grown up in Canadian churches. In 2012, a study came out called Hemorrhaging Faith. The title explains the content. Even as hemorrhaging is a form of rapid and extreme blood loss, so the study showed youth leaving the church in droves. Recently, a new study has come out on Canadian youth called Renegotiating Faith. In the study, the authors of the study look at how Canadian youth in this present moment are approaching faith from a posture of rethinking the faith, of renegotiating that faith, and of questioning that faith. With these two studies in mind, I was eager to go with the group from First Alliance Church to the Urbana Mission Student Conference as one of the sponsors of these studies, how would the leadership of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship that hosts this uh, student conference respond? As the 10,000 plus delegates, mainly students gathered between Christmas and New Year's this past uh, December, mainly students, the joy of Jesus that was present was real. And it was unshakable and it was recognizable the community was led by joy-filled shapers of the global church many from countries that suffer for their belief in Jesus but do not shrink from death we worshiped Christ as the lamb that was slain so he could purchase us for God we were led to repentance of the ways that the world gets into us 
rather than that we worship Christ in the midst of the world. Some of you recall when we looked at 1 Peter, at a letter written to persecuted Christians, Peter says to this community, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Be on alert. Luke intends that his gospel account in Luke followed by Acts will lead us to know with certainty the fullness of joy in Jesus. Lord Jesus, we welcome this ministry of you among us. There is something else we learn about the continued ministry of Jesus from the words of John the Baptist that I hope will also fill us with anticipation as we journey together in the Gospel of Luke. The passage says that Jesus baptizes people with the Holy Spirit and fire. The ministry of Jesus as Luke speaks and as John the Baptist declares is one of baptizing people with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus, one with the Father and the Spirit, conceived by the Holy Spirit, was anointed by the Spirit to fulfill his ministry as the Messiah leading to his death for our sins on the cross. Then Jesus, Jesus then baptizes people with the Holy Spirit and fire. John the Baptist explains what this means in the very next verse, in verse 17. Right after he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, he then says, his, that is the winnowing fork of Jesus, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff and unquenchable fire. I do not want this morning to jump to other passages that speak to the work of the Holy Spirit when we need to digest together and chew together this ministry of the work of the Holy Spirit and fire in the ministry of Jesus. The image given here is one of a farmer with a winnowing fork separating chaff from the wheat. A farmer scoops up the wheat and the chaff so that the wind separates the lighter chaff from the wheat, which is heavier. If this is not done, the wheat cannot be gathered and put into the barn. If the chaff is left with the wheat, it ruins the wheat. The leftover chaff that remains then is easily burned in fire. I have even seen fields where the chaff is simply lit with a match so it is burned up quickly and easily. Such is the continued ministry of Jesus then and now. He scoops up our lives with his winnowing fork so that the Holy Spirit might show us clearly and 
specifically the chaff in our lives for which we need to repent. He then brings us to his cross, not only to experience forgiveness, but to see that we must die to the sin for which he died. He then empowers us, baptizes us by the Holy Spirit to say no to the flesh when it wants to rise up and ruin the harvest of righteousness Jesus is producing in us. He baptizes us by the Holy Spirit to empower us to say no to the deceitful schemes of Satan and his hosts. He baptizes us by the Holy Spirit to empower us to say no to conforming to the patterns of the world held in bondage to the evil one and yes to bearing fruit worthy of repentance. Yes to asking Jesus to grow in us a harvest of righteousness. No chaff in our lives remains hidden from his poking and prodding work. The passage says Jesus clears the threshing floor. No one can hide. No chaff in us can hide. All the chaff must and will be burned up. Jesus will only gather the wheat into his barn for eternity. This work of Jesus stirs up. This work of Jesus burns. This work of Jesus separates the sin in us that is obvious to God and often obvious to others who know us well. That the Spirit must make obvious to us to see. The chaff must be separated from the wheat or the wheat will be ruined. This work of Jesus is deep work. In Ezekiel 36, God promises this work of Jesus. He says, For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and will bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is the continued ministry of Jesus baptizing us with the Holy Spirit and fire with his winnowing fork separating the chaff in our lives from his harvest. This is cleansing work. This is major surgery. 
the removal of hearts of stone for new hearts of flesh. It involves the Spirit moving us, moving in us to desire to obey Jesus and all he says, empowering us to do what he says in his strength. Don't try to hide from this continued ministry of Jesus. Don't try to hide from this work of the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus shines his light on those areas of chaff in our life until we see, no matter how many years it takes, until we repent, until we come to the cross, until we welcome the work of the Spirit to transform us in that area of our life. I know this work of Jesus well. When I was younger, I ran from this work of Jesus even though I went by his name. Jesus has scooped me up, shown me the chaff and the wheat in my life. He has refused to leave in me that chaff I once felt was too difficult to remove. The chaff in me I felt powerless to change. I could share with you stories upon stories upon stories of how Jesus has done this ministry in me. It may be helpful to share just one. God created me as one who desired to sit at the feet of Jesus. He gave me a desire for him from childhood. I echo the words of David that he says in Psalm 22. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. I love that, I love that verse. Anyway, so be it. But I grew up in a very active Dutch business home where we always worked. My mentors in Christian ministry were driven people. As I followed my mentors, not wanting to disappoint, I too became driven. This carried me into the first decade of ministry in ways that left me feeling often thin, like butter spread over too much bread. In 1993, while church planting in Winnipeg, I read a book called We Are Driven, The Addiction North Americans Applaud. At the same time, a close friend with great nervousness and blotchy skin as he spoke, he was so nervous, suggested I would be a better leader if I would get to the roots of my drivenness. After considering his counsel, reading this book, and taking stock of my life, I said to Barbara, I have an addiction. I am driven. I need to see a counselor. For one year, I saw a Christian counselor each week who himself was a recovering alcoholic. Barbara graciously went with me for support. I remember this because I always was bugged that the counselor would pick on me and leave her alone. That's not in my script. <laughs> I would leave every time completely beaten up. Through this time, Jesus scooped me up. He showed me so much chaff in me related to this addiction that was ruining the wheat he wanted to produce in my life. Jesus awakened in me the longing again to sit at his feet to resist the rush of the flesh, the clutter of the mind, the distractions of the world, to see clearly and recognize the difference 
between the works of the flesh, the schemes of the enemy, the lusts of the world versus the glories of the kingdom of God. During this time, all the elders of our church also started to see counselors. <laughs> if they were married, they did so with their wives. Jesus was renovating all of us. Yet Jesus was not finished. Over the next 16 years leading to today, Jesus has often orchestrated things to happen in my life, including in this church, to burn up the remaining chaff in me. He wants his harvest in me to be brought to completion and my repentance to be full. I can say this day that I am so glad for my joy in Jesus has never been greater. My delight in him has never been richer. If someone would choose to say to me, Tim, you need to be more active in the church or sit at the feet of Jesus, I would say immediately, goodbye. I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus. He must increase. I must decrease. Welcome. Welcome this continued ministry of Jesus in your life. We will learn so much through our journey into Luke and Acts about this continued ministry of Jesus. As we do so, let me leave you with two assurances that come from the end of the passage on which books are written, and I only have a minute to do so. The first assurance that even as baptism was a right for outsiders to be brought into the people of God, and in this passage we see Jews joining the outsiders to be brought to God, we see that Jesus is baptized so that he can join the outsiders and bring them to God through his death. Isn't that good news? That Jesus was baptized to bring us near to God. Thanks be to God for that good news. And the final thing I just want to say, a second assurance. This ministry of Jesus is one with God the Holy Spirit and one with God the Father. Never separate the work of the Trinity as if they are competing with himself. Notice how I just said that. They lift up one another. They complement one another. And they are one with himself. God the Father expresses his delight. Remember the words of Isaiah 42. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. As we close, let me bring you back to Luke 3 verse 15. The people were waiting expectantly. Will you welcome expectantly the winnowing work of Jesus in your life. Will you welcome expectantly the winnowing work of Jesus in your life? He will toss you up, shine the light of his spirit and glory on the chaff in you and how it is not the harvest he's growing in you. Submit to his work. Welcome his work. That your joy, like John the Baptist, 
might be complete. He must increase. May we die that this may be so. Let's worship him.